sustainment is vital to naval aviation readiness. And for the Airborne Strategic Command Control and Communications Program Office, it's their no-fail mission. The team supports the E-6B Mercury, an aircraft with more than 30 years of service. Maintaining the aging aircraft is a challenge, but PMA-271 has found ways to sustain the vital asset while modernizing it to meet the operational challenges of the future. They've collaborated with industry partners to increase aircraft availability and affordability and keep the fleet mission ready. Welcome to Airwaves. I'm your host, Michael Lauren Prue, and joining us today is Captain Adam Scott, Program Manager for PMA 271. Also joining us is Bob Staley, E6B Integrated Product Team Lead. Welcome to the show. Thanks, good to be here. Yeah, thank you for having us. So Captain Scott, we'll, we'll start with you. Tell me about PMA 271, the E6 program, and where it stands today. It's interesting, it's a great question. Where it stands today, I would say it stands as the connection between the President and our nuclear forces. But on the other hand, I'd say how we provide that capability is changing. We're at the beginning of doing recapitalization of the E6 Mercury. So in your intro, you introduced us as the E6 program office. And one thing I've been trying to stress to folks is we are evolving and are the Airborne Strategic Command Control and Communications Program Office because we do actually now support two platforms. We have the E6, which has been around, as you've said, for decades, and we're supporting EXX. So what I'd say is the Airborne Strategic Command Control and Communications Office, we stand where we've stood in the past, and we're at the beginning of providing that capability via a new platform but we will always pursue peace by connecting the president to our nuclear forces. So sir, why is E-6 such an important aircraft capability for the fleet? And how does the current geopolitical situation impact program execution? The E-6 is providing a part of how our nation provides a credible nuclear deterrent. I'll talk from a Naval Air Systems Command perspective, but really it applies to Department of Defense. Having a credible nuclear deterrent underpins every other conventional weapon system that's developed. This is how the Navy provides a assured link between the president and all three legs of our nation's nuclear triad. And by doing that, we assure a credible nuclear deterrent. Now going to your question about the geopolitical environment, It is a unique environment right now. In the Chief of Naval Operations written statement provided to the House Appropriations Committee Subcommittee on Defense in January, he talked about China. And there are some very pointed statements in there. He talked about in October of last year, China tested a nuclear-capable hypersonic vehicle that partially circumnavigated the globe. In addition, They're building next-generation strategic missile submarines and erecting hundreds of new missile silos. That is what our adversary in China is doing on their nuclear triad. In addition to that, earlier this month in April, the director of the CIA warned that Putin could use low-yield nuclear weapons out of desperation given the setbacks he's faced so far. April 20th, Russia tested a new nuclear-capable intercontinental ballistic missile. Our nation is investing our nation's treasure in recapitalizing the nuclear triad. On the Air Force side, we're doing B-21. On the Air Force side, we're also doing what's now called, just the name was just released, the Sentinel, 
which was formerly known as the ground-based strategic deterrence, our intercontinental ballistic missiles, that leg of the triad is being recapitalized. We are also on the Navy side, near and dear to our hearts, we're recapitalizing the Ohio class with Columbia. All three of those legs are being recapitalized at the same time. Our program office is one method the president will have to connect to those forces. So as you look at the current geopolitical environment and you see what's currently happening in Ukraine and you look at what Russia has done with elevating the posture of their nuclear forces and you look at the massive militarization of the triad in China, the, the nuclear triad and strategic deterrence and that mission is crucial to our nation moving forward. And we serve as the E6 in EXX at the Airborne Strategic Command Control and Communications Program Office. We are part of providing that service to the president to assure that we can continue to pursue peace by connecting him to our nuclear forces. So Bob, what sustainment challenges do you face with E6? So I think Captain Scott's done a great job highlighting the, the importance of the E6B Mercury to our national security. The E6 is a unique Navy aircraft, other different from others because we only have 16 aircraft in our inventory, which is unique. They're all out of the same place in Tinker, Oklahoma. And because we only have 16 and the criticality of this aircraft, we don't have long-term down airplanes. Each one is like a national asset. So we don't have the luxury of not making sure every aircraft is either getting depot maintenance or modification or ready to fly. Everything is accounted for. So the E-6 that the captain highlighted, it's a Boeing 707 commercially derivative aircraft that got modified to do this mission. The last aircraft was produced in 1991, so it's an old aircraft. So you can just picture that the structural part of that airframe is always going to be an item that we have to be vigilant, uh, staying ahead of, and addressing on our aircraft. Boeing is the OEM, big part of helping us, but we have a strong, effective engineering group at our FST that has looked at the aircraft and where we're gonna have challenges working with the OEM. And we've had service life extension program. We completed the first phase of it in the last few years and now we're on the second phase of it. And these are things that we accomplished during our depot maintenance to reinforce the structures on our aircraft, the wings and things like that. The E6 is intended to fly out to 2038, still a long time away from now. So. We've been doing it, and we're going to have to continue to make sure the aircraft is structurally able to uh, meet the fleet's demands that was put upon us at PMA 271 and our engineering and, and logistics team. So speaking of meeting that fleet demand, what are you doing to address these issues to deliver the warfighting capability the fleet needs? I mentioned that engineering team. Some of the things that have come up, we've had corrosion issues, structural issues. So they've proactively gone out identify a resolution and then basically incorporate you know inspections at the fleet level to get early identification of what those issues would be identify the solution a good highlight of that is right now we're dealing with our spar cores on our wings big priority for us back in 2020 the fleet and pma and engineering came up with a spar core action team to address the corrosion and how we were going to deal with that put the inspections in place energized with Boeing, the supplier and their subs to get those spar cords in stock or ahead 
of need. And then we are right now currently, as our airplanes go through their depot maintenance, their heavy depot maintenance, they're performing those spar cord replacements out there on the aircraft, which is critical to making sure, you know, we're keeping our air crew safe and we're able to meet the mission. I kind of want to brag on what you all have done a little bit more and expand on some of the stuff you're talking about. When Bob talks about doing a service life extension program and moving us from 25,000 hours to 45,000 hours, and then as we do that, we're finding things that we extended all the airframe parts and the structure parts, but the spark cords is a great example where it's something that we didn't replace on the service life extension and what's happening now is we're having to figure out how to replace the spar cords and this is where our partnerships being a key to our sustainment success comes in we had to partner with boeing we had to partner with the air logistics center the air force and their air logistics center we had to partner with new vendors and then we went out with boeing we had the Airbus call and talk with boeing and remind them how important this mission was And Boeing worked hard to find a vendor. We had to take flat, two-dimensional, old-school drawings. We had to have those 2Ds turned into computer models. We had material that is no longer available. The team had to go out and find and get alternative materials approved. And, And they did all of that, and they did it ahead of need. They made sure that when there was a need for those parts, They had filled the holes on the shelf and they were ready to install the parts, all so that we could assure that the Commodore constantly has the number of aircraft that he's required to support his mission. And it really is a good example. It's a great example of how partnerships are a key to sustaining this older aircraft. And we're finding that there are some vendors, right? There's some parts the original vendor doesn't make anymore. And Bob and his team through the reliability control board process is going out and we're finding those orphan parts, if you will, and we're qualifying new vendors. We're reverse engineering. We're finding ways to make sure that we have the parts we need and that the Commodore has them before he needs them. And he constantly has the number of planes that he needs to meet the nation's need for assured airborne strategic communications. So what has changed? Bob, what have you done differently to improve program execution? Some of the things that we've done focused on getting, it's all about making sure that we maximize the aircraft in the fleet is minimize the time at the depot, minimize the time that we're gonna have an aircraft getting the capability upgrade. So if we we talk about the depot, I highlighted that our depot events are at Aircraft Logistics Center in, in Tinker. They've been a great partner with us and worked with our logistics team there at Tinker, FST logistics team there, to do depot process improvement to reduce the turnaround time of those depot events. And over the last few years, there's been a steady decline in the TAT on those depot events. One of the things, Captain, we talk about, like getting real, we've had some QA issues there. And we actually engaged the sustainment group here at PAX, the NAVAIR sustainment group, to, to go out to our depot and and give us an outside look on what things we can improve out there to try to eliminate those things from happening at our facility and make sure that when the fleet gets the aircraft, it's basically ready to go and, and they're not dealing with issues they shouldn't have to. The other thing with our capability upgrades, we recently awarded a contract to Northrop Grumman down at Lake Charles, Louisiana, and uh, we're going to induct our first aircraft next month. 
that will hopefully streamline the process of how we're doing our capability upgrades. We have high power consultant group, Austin consultant group helping us with that and and fully engaged with our partners down there and with the fleet and basically trying to reduce the amount of time we have it at that facility. So we're making sure those aircraft, like the captain kind of highlighted earlier about our capability and our adversaries, we're always having to upgrade, stay ahead of our enemies, and that's really a main focus of our program office and what we do. So it sounds like you have a team of people who are certainly hard chargers. They're taking those steps to create these, these positive results. Captain, talk to me about the culture of PMA 271. It is fleet focused. It is a fleet focused culture. And it sounds like something every program manager would say, and it probably is, right? We are a fleet focused service provider. We sustain and maintain these aircraft for the warfighter. It is a no-fail mission, and that can come across as overdramatic, but I really see it in the team. I see the team's belief in the fact that this is a no-fail mission, and we provide the Commodore these planes. He will not get them any other way, and we sustain them from this program office. And the team, the culture of the team, is to find a way to ensure that he always has the planes that he needs to meet Admiral Richard at the United States Strategic Command's requirements to fulfill an assured airborne strategic communications mission and to assure that our nation's president is always connected to his nuclear forces. And I'll give you an example. We had an event probably six or eight months ago where there was, quite honestly, in any other program office, it in all likelihood would have been some type of grounding event where we would have decided not to fly planes for a period of time until the engineering was investigation was completed. We only fly planes that are safe, but the team got quickly creative and they physically went up to the material facility at Boeing in Philadelphia and they were on site with the inspectors. We were literally on the phone at Admiral Peters, Navair at the time, was flying out of California and it was a Sunday morning and our entire team was assembled talking with him at six in the morning his time in the West Coast about what we were gonna do. And the team found creative ways to assure that the Commodore had the right number of planes that he needed to meet his mission requirements and that they were safe and effective and he could continue to accomplish his mission. So going back to your original question, how would you describe the culture? It is very fleet focused and it's very fleet focused because they know that the Commodore never gets, his planes never go into a maintenance period where they can stop. He always has to have a certain number of planes deployed and ready to go and connect the president. So Captain, what would you say is the PMA 271 North Star? Our North Star is very clear. It's assured airborne strategic communications. Everything we do revolves around providing assured airborne strategic communications. That is why we exist. It is why we will continue to exist. So when you look at our reliability control board, that is targeted about providing the Commodore more up aircraft. So he has more planes to provide assured airborne strategic communications. 
We're going through a block two upgrade where we're going to field future capabilities for strategic command. That is a part of providing better assured airborne strategic comms. Our EXX, the future capability, we're going to continue to provide assured airborne strategic comms, but we're going to do it on a different platform. And so everything we do is focused on that North Star, and that is what brings us to work. That is what gets us excited about supporting the defense of our nation, and that is what makes us go. And and going back to the partnerships, right, it doesn't happen without partnerships, and it doesn't happen without their help in us achieving the success of getting towards, pointing towards that North Star. So we mentioned them before, the Oklahoma City Air Logistics Center, even the Naval Aviation Enterprise with things like the tools that are available in the Reliability Control Board, our industry partners. We're not a high volume platform for them, right? There's only 16 E6s. Partners have come along with us and understand the importance to the nation of assured airborne strategic comms and they move accordingly to get us there. So that's our North Star is what I'd tell you. What would you say enabled your team to go after these sustainment challenges? And Bob, what are the behaviors that you're reinforcing with your team? So like an honest first answer on the first one is funding. The nice part, because we're a priority aircraft, we get funding and we brief senior flag officers constantly. They're always willing to hey, whatever funding you need. And like I said, a lot of our challenge is just making sure we're doing the right thing and getting the right execution. Now, as far as the, the team, there's an open teamwork kind of philosophy. I can go to the captain anytime and make sure they understand, hey, we have an issue or there's a challenge. Give them some indications of where we're kind of heading to address it. I might not have the full answer, but they kind of know we're gonna come up with something later that day or whatever and move ahead and it's the same philosophy from myself down to the team below me is that you know they know they can come to me we're you know i'm there i've been doing this a while they know a lot of these things i've seen before maybe have an idea how we can try to solve that or the best path that i can help them out to execute it and then you know when they need my help or i need to ask the captain to pass it up to to his boss uh, general Maziello, mr perryman we don't hesitate to engage them and and get them involved. So Bob, earlier we talked about the things that y'all are doing differently to be successful. How do you know you're getting better as a PMA? The immediate things is like depot turnaround time. Is that coming down? And then of course the readiness numbers, that's something we consistently track. Are we maintaining our readiness goals? And right now, uh, like we highlight, we're in a situation where Real world situation, our aircraft have to be ready and available, and we're meeting those goals. Like, so everything we've been talking about of challenges, we're executing, right? When we do contracts, are we getting it done in a timely manner? We track that. And then you look at some of the capability upgrades, are we reducing the time? So, all those things, we have metrics that we have Boston Consult Group helping us with metrics. You know, they're putting some of those in, and, and we're going to continue to use them. But we do track those things. and. In our office, we actually do weekly goals, 30-day, 60-day, 90-day, and then annual goals. We just track to see at the end of that period, did we, we kind of review, did we hit all those goals? We talk about being a learning organization. We kind of, we've learned from things that we, when we didn't hit the, we didn't hit the mark, why we didn't hit, maybe we were over-aggressive or we didn't resource, whatever it is, we try to identify what was the issue that caused us from 
from meeting that mark as we move in to the next goal we set for ourselves. So Captain Scott, how will the team sustain and build on these successes? Yeah, it's a great question. That's the question that keeps me up at night. And the reason it's hard for me and the reason I'm in love with this business and I love what I'm doing is because of the changes we're going through as a program office, a 15 months ago, we were a sustainment program office and now we are, we are growing. We are one of the few program offices that's doing early technology development in addition to sustaining a platform. If you look at the acquisition continuum, we're working pre-milestone B, if that term makes sense to folks, which is pre, it's technology development before you get to engineering, manufacturing, and development. We're working on that spectrum all the way over to disposal. How do we assure that the team maintains those successes when they're growing? If you look at our EXX recapitalization team, 15 months ago, it was three people. It's upwards of 90. In the next year, it'll be at about 150. And in a year after that, it should be about 250. How does a program office sustain that kind of growth? We will need that number of people to accomplish the work required of us. How do we do that and assure that we continue to get real, get better, right? And have the dialogues with each other. Our office hasn't been that size in 30 years, right? I don't even know if it was that size. That was before I was in the Navy. How do I, as the leader, assure that I have strong people like Bob helping me with the organization assure that we're communicating well with our stakeholders, we're passing down lessons learned, and we're accomplishing those. That's what keeps me up at night. We're trying to put the structure in place now as the growth comes so that we can continue to sustain that performance. And Captain Scott, you were instrumental in forming the Naval Aviation Enterprise Reliability Control Board. What did you learn in that position, and did you bring those learnings with you to the PMA? I think one of the main things that that process taught me is the importance of data and the use of our data in making data-based decisions. I have looked to strengthen the reliability control board within 271, and I'm very proud of the way the team implements those. And I think the biggest takeaway is the enterprise approach that's needed to tackle some of these. As I went through in the rollout of the Reliability Control Board, it was good to see the Naval Aviation Enterprise take a enterprise view of aircraft mission-capable rates. And you see things like the Executive Reliability Control Board, and we created a forum where when multiple platforms were dealing with the same issue, we could take an enterprise approach. So the data-driven decisions is one. And the second one is there's help out there within the Naval Aviation Enterprise that I think sometimes people don't realize. And elevating things earlier and taking them to the enterprise as a whole to help you get solutions has really been a key part of implementing some of those takeaways. What does it mean to you to get real, get better? It's being honest with yourself, right? That's get real. It's, it's creating an environment with where you work, right? Let's relate it not just to our organization, but it's, it's in an organization when the leadership there, and not just the program manager, but the leadership there can create an environment that facilitates open and honest dialogue. And when I took over, I gave folks a leadership framework. Pretty simple, people, comms, mission. And in the comms section of that, I talked about 
communications being honest and transparent. I told folks, hey, it is not okay in this office to not concur via silence. I need you to speak up. That honest communication, that open dialogue is a get real. And the get better is what do you do with that? What do you do next? How do you move forward from the feedback that you get from your team if you create that environment? And how do you improve? How do you get better? How do you use what your smart people, we work with smart people, how do you use what they're giving you as a team collectively find a way to get better and improve and make the organization better? And why do we do it? I go back to the North Star, right? We do it so that we can provide assured airborne strategic communications. That is our North Star, and we're trying to get better to assure that the president, the president is always connected to his nuclear forces. What does it mean to focus on outcomes that matter to the warfighter? And what does that really look like on a daily basis within your program office? Captain Scott? What does it mean to focus on those outcomes? It means that's what brings us to work. In the people comms mission that I gave folks in the mission, there's a one of the sub bullets on mission is we exist for the warfighter. We exist for them and they can't do their mission without us. And that mindset is what we're trying to bring. One of the other sub bullets to that mission is urgency. It's moving with the urgency that we need to assure that the Commodore has what he needs to accomplish his mission with his sailors. Nuclear deterrence has not been more important to this nation in decades. We are not in the Cold War anymore, and we have emerged. We are in a very different environment. And you can look at the CNO's comments. You can look at what Putin is doing. It is a very different environment, and that gives our office a very pointed focus on providing for the Commodore and his sailors. So we've mentioned partnerships a lot in today's podcast. Why are strong partnerships so important? They're really how all this happens. If I don't have a strong partnership with the Commodore, if we are not communicating well with Congress on the Hill, if we are not communicating well with our original equipment manufacturers and the contractors that we have, if good ideas can't come from the deck plates of our community up to the program office and find a way to get implemented, we really aren't going to be able to succeed. I keep going back to the People Comms mission, but it has been instructive for us as a leadership framework because in the people section, I talk about, hey, cultivate your relationships in non-conflict. If you wait until you have a crisis to cultivate your relationship, if you show up at somebody's doorstep with a burning crisis and you haven't talked to that person in six months, don't expect a lot of help quickly. But if you cultivate your relationships in non-conflict, when you make that call, they will be ready to answer your call and you will be able to skip over that kind of beginning banter. And those partnerships and the way you we develop those partnerships are a key to us being able to achieve our North Star. So speaking of fostering those relationships, Bob, talk to me about the value of inclusion and why is it so important that we include everyone on the team? Not just for PMA 271, I think this is across the board. People come to NAVAIR and they all have something to offer. And Part of solving problems or just identifying, I talk about identifying root causes, is everybody have a voice that can bring it out because I don't know everything and the folks 
that work for me don't know everything, but you know, us coming together and bringing our pieces together, that everybody can offer advice or their input, I kind of think puts the whole puzzle together and it helps us figure things out and move ahead, move ahead smartly. I definitely need to hear somebody else provide you know, what their thoughts are outside thoughts and, and having somebody with a different opinion because I might think what I'm doing is right, but I've learned it in my old age that it's good to bounce it off somebody because I've learned that I'm not always right. And it's good to hear somebody else's opinion and somebody especially different than me that will give me the different perspective that I'm going to need to make sure I am communicating effectively to everybody. Talk about it as kind of an idea of meritocracy or diversity and inclusion. It's more than just race and religion and it's diversity of thought and it's making sure that folks do feel safe to bring up their ideas. So as we wrap up today's podcast, what advice do you have for other teams facing similar challenges? And how do you motivate positive outcomes and behaviors that matter to the fleet? One motto I've always used is do the right thing. Don't be afraid to make decisions or choose a path forward because in my mind, as long as you're trying to do the right thing, you're doing your best and that's all we can ask from you. Nine times out of 10, when you are working that way, always trying to do the right thing, it's probably actually almost 10 out of 10. You're going to have a great outcome. Like I said, that's my personal philosophy, and I try to make sure people that work for me understand that. And I tell them, things are going to happen. You're going to make a decision, and it's not going to work out, and we always resolve it. I've been doing it a while. We always figure it out, and we'll do that as long as you're trying to do the right thing. I would suggest to people to elevate and seek help earlier. My experience has been oftentimes when you elevate something up, the folks can resolve it much quicker. And workforce is currently prone to turn on something, trying to keep all the relationships working, and they'll spend weeks or months on it. If they'd have elevated it a little bit earlier, the problem probably would have been solved a lot faster. That'd be my encouragement to folks. Absolutely. I appreciate both of you joining us today to talk about the no-fail mission of PMA 271, how you're getting real and getting better, fostering partnerships, and finding creative solutions to meet the sustainment challenges for the E-6 aircraft. If you would like to hear more examples of successful behaviors for a winning culture, check out our Airwaves podcast on all your favorite listening apps. And that's it for this edition of Airwaves. Thanks for listening.